It's a Tuesday edition of Smith and Jones, and I promise I'm not going to come at you from the blind side and smack you, you know, right, right upside the head, or, or, or dig a shoulder into your rib cage. I might chase you down from behind and shove you in the back. I might, I might, just to get your attention and get you to tune into the show. What an incident last night with the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets, as it got it got a little feisty to say the least, with Nikola Jokic. And Mr. Morris as well, as the uh, Nuggets take care of the Miami Heat in uh, big-time fashion, 113-96, the final in that game. And uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how folks weigh in on this over the course of the, the, the day today. I mean, we already saw a reaction last night, Jonesy, you know, in terms of uh, post-game reaction from both teams, from players, from coaches, let alone what the – the uh, social media folks are saying and fans and whatnot and everything else. But the, the, the description I heard, and I'm still to this second trying to wrap my head around whether I actually buy it and believe it or not. The, the, the basic description of, of events I've heard from some people is, well, Jokic saw it coming. He knew it was coming, so he had a chance to prepare for it, even though it was still a dirty kind of blindside to some extent, cheap shot from Morris. But then when Morris walked away, he had his back completely turned, had no clue it was coming, and as hard as he hit Jokic, Jokic shoved him from behind, completely blind, didn't see it coming at all, and much harder with the shove. And then, of course, with the force, with the whiplash, the way he went to the floor, that was potentially that much more dangerous and thus that much worse than the initial shot, contact, shove, hit, whatever you want to call it, that came from Morris himself. I don't know where you weigh in on this, but I, I, I'm kind of of the uh, of the opinion like, hey, as much as you're supposed to you know, turn the other cheek and whatnot, if you delivered the first blow, you got to be prepared to take another blow. And if you're Morris and you're just walking away from the fray thinking that you know, you're going to walk away unscathed, you should have been prepared for something or someone coming after you either defending a teammate or that man himself defending himself. What do you think? Well, if you get you you get what you give, right? Yeah. And when when and and listen, we know what the reputation is of the Morris brothers and I'm not saying it's negative. They are kind of old school tough guys. That's the way they play, hard-nosed, physical. Um so yeah, you can't just walk away and think, okay, well, it's done. You know, I, I was upset. I delivered what I delivered, and that's it. No, it's it's. I I hate. I, I sometimes hate codes, but the code is, you got you're gonna take some back. There's there's gonna be some sort of retaliation at some point. So, I I don't think I don't, I'm with you in that sense. I don't think he should have walked away and thought, oh, this is all done. Um. Uh, and there's so many other things at play here, so many other variables that go into it. Is there a history between the two of them? Uh, is there a history between the teams? Uh, all of those things, all of those things are, are at play. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see uh, what the NBA does. And and it's, it's, it's like something that bothers me when there's an incident in a game and they just give double fouls. No, there's not. It's not just the double foul. This isn't, I mean, I'm talking about the situation here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is not one of those where, well, you're just going to punish both kids for being in a fight, or you're just going to punish both guys for being in the incident. 
well, yeah, they'll both be punished for being in the incident, but there was there was a predecessor, some antecedent, something led to this thing being the result that we see. So come down on that. I, I know back in the day, the NHL used to have the instigator penalty or something like that. Well, I don't know if they still have it, but this is the same deal. Something started it. Something started it. And while they both deserve to be punished, you got to look at where it started and, and the root of the incident. You know, and, and, and here's the thing too, Jonesy. Markeith Morrison, you, 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 you hit it on the head as well. Philly guy, right? Known, known as being a tough guy, both he and his brother. Um, he's delivering a message, a shot on Jokic, right? I mean, the, the intent, there was absolutely zero play on the ball. He full-on came, like, to use the hockey analogy, he was he was skating down the side, and he was getting ready to toss Jokic into the boards, legal hit or dirty hit. He was looking to crunch him. Well, there's no boards, and there's no skating basketball. It's the middle of the court at center court, and he comes flying in from the side. Again, zero play on the ball, and just hammers him, throws that shoulder, that body into the ribs, and just smashes the big man. In fact, we just spoke about this yesterday with Gary Trent Sr. when he was on the show, and he spoke, and I'm talking in generalities here and paraphrasing, but he talked about the the style of play when he was playing versus the style of play in today's game, or at least in recent years. Seems like the officials are letting it loose a little bit more this year. And the fact that the big man would often get hit a ton and take a physical pounding. And he made the reference and the analogy with Shaq, how Shaq yeah. was fouled on damn near every single play. And you know, Jonesy, Shaquille O'Neal used to complain about it, and rightfully so, all the time. A foul on him, because he's such a large man, he would take a pounding because other teams would literally have to pound him to try and stop him from dunking, laying it up, getting to the tin, whatever it may be, because he was such a large presence. Well, if you were to do the exact same thing, if Markeith Morris was to have hit um, who? Jamal Murray. Uh, uh, Fred Van Vliet, a- any smaller player, if he was to hammer with the exact same intent, it would have looked even worse because of the size difference. The only reason it didn't look that much worse is because Jokic is such a big man. But if Morris is going to be a tough guy and play the role of the tough guy and be the, the instigator in the situation, you can't expect a man like Nikola Jokic, and need I remind you the incidents that have happened in the past where his brothers in the stands are ready to jump out of the stands and onto the court and defend their brother and go real old school. You can't expect to, to knock a guy like that and have him just dust himself off and walk away and think you're going to get away with that. Well, so as much as Jokic might have had the cheap shot in the back, you had to know something was coming. And I feel for Morris, if he is hurt, was hurt, heck, if he had been hurt worse, because it could have been real bad. You get hit like that blind from behind, and your back kind of you know inverts and your, your, your neck goes flying back and whatever. It could have been real dangerous. And, and listen, Jokic would be deserving of every suspension and every fine that's coming. But at the same time, I, I can understand a man defending himself and, and, and losing himself in that moment after taking the shot that he did. Well, what we don't know about is the history, right? Yeah. Is, this a, yeah, yeah. is this a classic? Man, this guy's been taking my lunch in the schoolyard every day. Uh, we, we don't know. I, we don't know what the history is. If Morris has been on Jokic or saying stuff to him or there have been other you know, physical confrontations away from the play, under the boards, elbows, uh, you know, 
shoves in the back, uh, you know, arm around the neck on the box out kind of thing, pushing for like, we don't know. We don't know. And to me, that got Jokic got up and ran at him like, you know what? I'm tired of this crap. I'm tired of this. And and maybe it's not just Morris. Maybe everybody's been doing it to him. And he's and he's and he's fed up. You talk about Shaq. Remember the time he took a swing at Brad Miller? If he'd have connected, he'd Brad Miller would have been. I mean, he would have been, you know, in a wheelchair the rest of his life for crying out loud. Like just Shaq. And Shaq laughed about it. He goes, "Hockey players can fight. That's why basketball players can't. Because if he hits Brad Miller with that, it is lights out. But it was one of those. It could be a Jokic situation where he is." feeling like Shaq, man, I'm getting hacked on every damn play. I'm tired of this and I'm not taking it. And the next man that hits me is going to take something back. Now, that being said, Morris came in out of nowhere. Jokic was taking a half court shot in the definition of, of flagrant fouls. Morris's was a flagrant too. And Jokic's was a flagrant too. And they both, they're both going to get punished big time. They really should. I, I just, um, I just don't know what the history is behind it, and I'm sure that led to some of what a lot of what we saw last night. Well, we've got Brian Scalabrini coming up in a couple of minutes, Boston Celtics uh, analyst, but of course former player, former champion as well. We're gonna we're gonna get his. Uh, take on the situation as well before we talk about the Celtics and Raptors getting set for their game coming up on Wednesday night. Uh, but before we move on to that, Jonesy, I don't know if we'll get a sense of the history or, or any more insight into uh, what maybe uh, led to the, the 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 raised emotions in last night's game. But uh, let's 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 at least kind of play a little bit of it. Uh, some comments after the game last night. We'll start first here with uh, with with uh, Nikola Jokic. It's a stupid play, you know. Uh, I feel bad. I, I, I'm not supposed to react that way, but it's in, it's in the middle of the game. I got hit. I didn't. I saw him, but I didn't even like. I, I thought I thought it was just gonna be like a take foul, you know. So and he kind of bumped me, and I was like, that was a little bit like he. I think it's it was a dirty play, uh, and then I just needed to protect myself. I I felt it bad. And it's I'm not supposed to. React that way. First of all, to not get thrown out of the game, uh, so uh, to, uh, I cannot help my team win the game, which is the most important thing. But uh, you know, it, it happens. I feel bad. Uh, I'm not supposed to react that way, but you know, the way I need to protect them somehow myself. You know. Yeah, and I don't know if it's necessarily protecting yourself, but more defending yourself. So I understand what he's saying there. Jokic in 33 minutes, 25 points, 15 rebounds, 10 assists, two blocks, two steals, dominating the Heat last night. Um, and he did sound like he was at least uh, apologetic and, and, and felt bad after the fact. Not that that's going to matter. I mean, he still will be fine, should be fine, and probably will get suspended at least a game. But we didn't get a chance to hear from Markeith Morris, but here is Eric Spolstra, head coach of the Heat after the game. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we just want to make sure that uh, Keith, you know, was and is okay. Um, you know, we'll find out more. Um, he's moving around, you know, right now uh, in the locker room. But that was a, a very dangerous, uh, dirty play. Um, I thought Keith took a, a, a foul. Um, and it was, uh, you know, one of those fast break take fouls. Um, and he did it with his with his shoulder. You might deem that, um, you know, maybe as a, a little bit more, you know, than just the slapping somebody. But after I watched it on film, it was a take foul. You know, that's how I saw it. Uh, and the play, you know, after that, that's just absolutely uncalled for. 
Um, and it would have looked a lot different. It, 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 this whole thing could have been a whole lot uglier if Markeith was actually facing Jokic. You know, the fact that he had his back turned uh, and he made a play like that, um, you know, blindsiding him, that's just a very dangerous play. Listen, I, I don't I don't necessarily disagree, Jonesy, hey, that it hey. was a dangerous play, but, but you know, go ahead, go ahead, because I think we're probably on the same I, wavelength here. Espo, come on, man. Yeah. That was a take foul, but when you take a foul, you might just, like, we've seen take fouls where a Delano Banton has been on the run, and they want to stop, they want to take a foul to stop the fast break. They reach out, and they... They put his arm as he's going by them. They they play turnstile. They put an arm out and kind of uh, yeah. They try to hold the around the waist. Yeah. yeah. Or you know what? Or you run beside him and you you slap him like on the on the shoulder, like slap him on the shoulder, or just try to wrap him up to say to the ref, "Hey, man, we, we're not giving them a basket." He put his shoulder in. Markeith Morris leaned in with his left shoulder. I mean, and at that point, a take foul. Like, look at the situation. The guy's shooting from half court. Spolstra, he stopped short of saying it was a flagrant one on his own player. He did. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it was and, and, at least a flagrant listen, one. What would have been the problem, Jonesy? Like, listen, I don't know. You, you, you've played and coached at a, at a much higher level than I have. But would it really be a problem for a coach to come out and say, you know what, I love Markeith Morris, and I want this guy on my team every night going into battle? But it was a dirty play. And you know what? The retaliation, I think, was dirtier. But at least be honest and, and, and genuine about what your guy did, too. To me, that was a disingenuous. And I like Eric Spolstra, and I, I've liked him for a long time. But that's his take on the events, to me, is, is way off, way off the way he's describing it. Now, the way he describes the reaction from Jokic, yeah, it was dirty and it was dangerous. And, and there's, there's concern today in Miami, Jonesy, that Markeith Morris may have sustained some sort of neck injury, whiplash at the very least. And that's a serious thing. And I, I'm, I'm not here to say, I've said it how many times now in 15 minutes, that Jokic should be punished financially and at yeah. least a game suspension. Absolutely. But to sit here and try and paint it or present it as Markeith Morris is an innocent bystander here and he's not the one that instigated the whole thing and that he shouldn't be taking some sort of punishment too is completely BS. I, I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the incident now. E, I pulled it up again to refresh my memory. Morris came in leading with the left shoulder and kind of had his arm up like, oh yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying to take this foul. But the contact was with the shoulder. Now, Jokic, I mean, you blindside a guy like that, you're right. That's, that's, that's games. That's suspension. That's money and games. And, uh, you know, I, I just think, again, in the investigation or looking into this, you know, it's like a fight in the schoolyard. You got to know the combatants and you got to know their history as well. Well, and the interesting thing as well is that was the, the, the incident that everybody's talking about today around the NBA and, and, and not focusing as much on the fact that Steph Curry drops 50 on the Hawks, improving <laughs> Golden State to 9-1 to and one on the season. We can talk about that later on in the show as well. Plus, we're getting set for the Raptors and Celtics going at it tomorrow in Boston. I want to stay on this topic with Jokic and, and Mark Jokic for at least a couple yeah. of minutes, though, because we bring into the conversation a, a, a friend of the show and a guy who's joined us many times in the past. We always, loves, lo, always excuse me, loves chatting with uh, NBA champ, Celtics analyst, longtime NBAer Brian Scalabrini. Brian, thanks for the time today. 
You got it, guys. Anytime. What up, hey, Brian? Kelly? Listen, we, we, we've been talking. Oh. <laughs> we've been talking for 10, 15 minutes here, Brian, on on Jokic and Morris last night. You've been there between the lines. What was your assessment of the situation in terms of the initial blow from Morris, the retaliation from Jokic, the response from both sides on, on, on their perception of the events and everything? How did you see it, Brian? Yeah, so I think I'm going to be the one that's going to be right down the middle on this. And, and Jokic was wrong for retaliating the way he did. Mm-hmm. and But Morris was wrong for initiating that. And now if that's a – here's the thing. And I think the NBA has to look at this. And this is where I was like, the NBA, they say things like, no, all fouls are created equal. We call the game the same no matter what. No, see, that's wrong. You should not do that. In an 18-point lead where the MVP is dribbling the ball at the court, who has dominated that game so far, and you truck him with your shoulder, that penalty should be severe for doing that. And in Jokic, with the guy with his back turned, that penalty should be severe. But – I am. Everyone's acting like Morris did nothing. He took the take foul, and that's more than a take foul. And people have to understand just because, like, like there's a, a thing about about European white guys, like Jokic is from Serbia. Like this is a different level. He used to get in fistfights with his brothers at the practice facility, and like no one would do anything because no one wants to to get involved in that because those guys are tough. So I. That um, I think like Morris was, you know, who's been known to be a bully at times, you know, was trying to, you know, establish Miami culture and how tough they are and all that stuff. And they just they they picked on the wrong guy. And and Jokic admitted he's like, man, I lost my cool. I got to be able to be better than that. But but I I think the NBA should look at this and say like, who started this whole thing? But I do think Jokic should also be suspended. Uh, Scal, you know, and 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 again, we've been there. You know, you've been there where a guy is a guy is cooking you all night. I mean, he is, he is working your kitchen and you just, you just had enough. So here he is, he's dribbling the ball up the court in, in hockey. It would be like sending your goon over the boards to slow a guy down. I mean, it's, and, and I, like I said, it's, it's wrong by Morris. And we just had the clip of Eric Spoltra, Spo acting like, well, it was a take foul. Yeah. And, and that's another, yeah, that's please. another issue for the NBA doing something about those, take fouls on fast breaks and stuff like that you know that if you want that out of the game you can take it out of the game and and uh you know they've taken the physical play out for me uh i'm I'm with you both of these guys deserve heavy suspensions and do it in a way so it sends a message to the rest of the league too because you've got to consider everybody else is watching this when some guy goes off like what if atlanta last night steph's dropping 50 oh you know what we're going to tune him up well no, you can't do yeah. that. You can't. It's not. It's not part of the game. I agree. You should have heard the because um, you know we do battle of the broadcasters. You should have heard the and I'm I big heard fans of, of Bob Raffle. Yeah, and they they were uh, they were killing Steph Curry for this. And I'm like, all right, I, I get it, but I always live by this. Like, there's so many ways to come across and get things and get guys back legally. There's so many times where you could be a big man and a guard can come off a pick and roll and you can like, you can like legally foul a guard and mess him up and then give him a little look. But like, listen, I'm here. I don't, you don't need to show a guy up. And then that actually, in my opinion, like goes more than, you know, the major foul where it's like broken up and stuff like that, because those things are, 
are studied and looked at, and then you then you get suspended or, or fined. Like you can do a lot of fouls where you just put a little extra on it, and like guards just be like, "Man, I'm I'm not trying to go in there." So I just think it's like both. I, I get why Jokic did that. Like I'm telling you, like Jokic thing and, and the NBA and the way that that people you know test him and and the way that he responds and his, his upbringing is a little bit different. Than uh, like what they what they assume that he's going to be like. Giannis like he gets fouled like that, and he's such a nice guy; he doesn't do anything about it. But Jokic's a different animal, man. So I just I do think that the NBA and players could figure out better ways to get back. Like if I'm the Atlanta Hawks, I'm looking at Steph Curry. And let's say I was offended by him dropping 50 and being in the game up 23, then I probably would come back and say, "All right, well, I'll we'll see you again, and I got something for you." Speaking with NBA champ Celtics analyst Brian Scalabrini, you know this is this is to me Brian again, and you've you've been there between the lines. I say it again, like you know I'm I'm just watching from the outside. It's like everybody loves it until it's happening to them, right? Like like Trey Young doesn't mind being in the game and shushing the crowd at MSG, yeah. and he doesn't mind being out there pushing for forty when he's got thirty eight or pushing for fifty. He's got forty six or whatever. But the minute it's happening to him, oh boy, come on, that's not fair. That's not right. You shouldn't be out there. That's not sportsmanship. We're, like. Come on, man. Everybody plays by yeah, these well, rules, you, and it's you, the way it is. Yeah. Well, you saw what happened the other day with Westbrook. I mean, it was as clear as day. So, like, like I think it was Oklahoma City up by five, and um, maybe – no, I'm sorry. They were up by three, and um, and they and Baisley gets the steal and goes in and dunks it. And Westbrook comes in and says something like, we don't do that around here. And so, so it got out of control, right? Like, no, I'm old. And then Westbrook in the post game, oh, man, I'm old school. I don't do that kind of stuff. Then, like, three days later, Dwight Howard would, like, their Lakers are up by 20. Dwight Howard, with, like, 40 seconds to go, shoots a three and makes it. And he's on the sideline pumping his fist. Like, yeah, that's right. You show him, you know? Like, like everyone's a hypocrite nowadays. And everyone plays the victim when they can't. I, I do believe, like, that in, like, that Westbrook situation. Well, let's use the Atlanta situation, right? Things are bad. Like right now, Atlanta's not playing well. They're one and six on the road. So, like when you pick out moments, like I can't believe Steph Curry tried to rub it in, like all that stuff. It's like detracts from just being bad. Like you're the reason why you were in that scenario is because you're not a good team right now. But now let's talk about Steph Curry going for fifty, and it takes away from all the like the talk of why is Atlanta not the same team they were last year? So I do think by players do a little bit of that as well. Yeah, Scal, I I agree that uh, you know, and to Eric's point about. Uh, when the foot's on, when the shoe is on the other foot, uh, it, it's it's not great. Um, it, look, let's talk about the Celtics because I know there's some issues going on there too. Uh, Jalen Brown's going to be out, but my my question, Scal, and you've watched it for a while, is how how are these guys meshing? Can they can they legitimately play together, uh, J- Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown? Because uh, you know Danny Ainge kind of figured that they would be the cornerstones and the building blocks for the future. And I'm, I'm starting to have, I'm always patient, give it time, but I'm starting to have my questions around um, the compatibility of these two guys on the court together. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't think they're good enough on their own to not have each other. I'm just being honest. Right. And I know like if people talk about compatibility and stuff like that. I think the biggest thing is, they got to figure out how to play together. And look, like LeBron James is all-time great. Maybe some people argue he's the greatest. I think Jordan's the greatest player ever, but I think he's the second greatest player. And he struggled with D-Wade 
at times, like playing and figuring things out for a while. And D Wade had to take a step backwards. They went a whole year and they lost to Dallas. They were still trying to figure things out. The final, the next year, like LeBron became the guy, and then D Wade was like the second guy. But anytime LeBron was out of the game or D Wade had his opportunities, like he was like a number one guy in his mind once again. So I think that all takes time and you've got to figure that stuff out. But I would say this about the Celtics. Like, I don't understand. If I told you, just think defensively. As I name the guys, make a picture in your mind and think about how they guard. So if I said to you, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Al Horford, you would think in your mind, like, yeah, man, they have an opportunity to be a top 10 defensive team. At the time, like three games ago, they were – Three games ago, they were 26th in defense. The last three games, they started guarding. You know, they guarded Miami, guarded Orlando, guarded Dallas. They lost that Dallas game because Luka hit a tough shot. But they're back to being, like, what they are. So, like, those guys don't have to be that compatible if they guard and they check and they get after it and they're physical and they get back in transition and they rebound. Then they can figure out the offensive side as the game goes along. But – I'm not, like, looking at their problems as compatibility. I'm looking at it like, you guys got to sit down and check people, man. This is uh, – it is the NBA. And when things go sideways, everybody wants to, like, do it on their own with hero basketball. You know how you do it? You do it on the defensive end. You get a few stops. You get an easy basket. You move the basketball. Like, you trust more when things aren't going well. Don't trust less. Don't think you can, like, do it on your own. There's only a select few guys that can do it on their own. And even then, you can make the argument that they shouldn't be doing it on their own. But – but, yeah, like, I, I just don't understand, like, the identity of this team should be a defensive-minded team, yet everyone's concerned about the offense. Hey, Brian, at what point, because Jonesy, and I'm not, I'm not going to misrepresent this, Jonesy kind of, like, you know, tried to reel me in yesterday saying, hold on, hold on, we're only 10 games into the season, 11 games, when I was talking about the Raptors. At what point do you start being concerned, whether you're Boston, whether you're Toronto, whether you're Atlanta, whatever team? Is it the 15-game mark, 20-game mark? As a player, when do you think you have a sense of, okay, it's time to hit that panic button, or okay, we are this good, or whatever it is. When do you know who and what you really are? Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll give you both. Three improbable wins and three terrible losses. That will, that will, hmm. that will, that, that you'll know then. When you were like, like the Celtics the other day, they were back-to-back, Orlando, Miami. Miami's rested. They go down there and they smack Miami improbable win that's one but like 30 like uh when you're when you're the one that's rested the team's coming in there no like we've had like losses to detroit and all those things that's when you like oh man like we're definitely something wrong with our team so it's and you need three of them so like when toronto wins home games that they're supposed to win or maybe the team is good but they win the game like the like if they would have beat brooklyn then you can like almost like fill in one of the boxes and say, you know what, this is this team is good. Like, they're good. They're beating good teams. Like, good teams are really struggling. They lost that game. So then, you know, like, that's not a – you don't get to fill that box in. So once you do that, and then you're probably around 25, 30 games into the season when you do that, because those games don't always come about. But once you do that, then you're like, all right, our team is legit, or panic button, <laughs> something wrong with our team. So one way or the other. Uh, Brian, it's, it's, a, it's a great point. I'm, and I'm looking down – at the Raptors' schedule, I don't know if I'd say any improbable wins, but they're four and zero on the road, winning at Boston. Uh, you that know, was a big win. And that and, that Boston yeah, and, and, flex and, and, job, that muscle flex on Boston, that was a huge win. 
Well, and then they go into New York and then do it uh, in Washington too. So, and, and, and these are teams that are, you know, in the mix. So uh, for, for me, I mean, Mike, Mike, my, my other question about the Celtics is Ime Udoka. We had Brian Windhorst on yesterday and Ime Udoka is a guy that, I mean, he's from the Popovich tree and, you know, Pop is one of those old school coaches in that players want to be coached. They need to be coached. They need limitations. They need boundaries, but they also need, you know, within that, they also need room to grow. And he's come out and been pretty outspoken in Boston. And I wonder how that is is being taken in, in the locker room. Um, you know, they always used to say that an old school coach will tell the guy in the locker room. And then when he says it in the media, it's like, well, this is not the first time he's hearing it. I, I wonder what, what, you know, I wonder how Ime Udoka is trying to navigate the waters right now with his new team. Yeah, I, I mean, he has called Jalen Brown out at times. Um, I mean, but I think his, like, he, the whole thing with Jalen Brown is he got the COVID, then he had 46. And, like, people are like, what's the deal? And I remember last year with Tatum. Tatum got COVID and we used every time he played bad or the season was a bad season because Tatum had COVID and that lasted for two months. So I don't get the media and all that stuff, but I will answer the question for you, Doka. I, I do. I think that he's dishonest. I think that's the difference. I don't think he's using the media as pawns. That's Kyrie would use us, right? As, as pawns to get his message across. Like, you know, George Carl and Phil Jackson used to do that. I really yeah. believe that he was. And, and, and by the way, like peek some of his interviews now, they're a little bit different. So when he first came, he was really like raw and honest, and he was like really forthcoming with information. And we were having these conversations. I'm like, wow, like this, this is legit. Like, and I went to some of their practices listening. And I'm like, man, you guys are getting after it. You know, I don't, I think that you learn as a coach, like you can't be that forthcoming all the time. You know, you can do it sometimes. You can't do it all the time. And I think he's learning that. But I think the players have responded pretty well to that. I think they're like, like even Jalen Brown has been like, yeah, you know, like I know it's, it is mind boggling. How do I drop 46 coming off of COVID? And a couple of days later, like I can't breathe. I can't get up and down the court. I don't understand it either. But, uh, but so, so far the guys have responded well to that. And that takes, when you get a new coach and everything is, is hunky dory and unicorns and rainbows and that stuff lasts for like, I don't know, three months. And then you have to, like, really – that relationship has to be solid. And then, you know, I, I call them, like, you know, emotional deposits, right? you gotta, you got to build some, build some uh, you know, clout with the players and say, like, you know, I got your back, I got your back. That's why, like, the Ben Simmons, Doc Rivers thing, I don't buy it. Because all Doc Rivers did all year long is back Ben Simmons. But then, you know, he had that one slip-up. He's like, I don't know if he's a championship guard. All of a sudden, Ben Simmons wants out because Doc said that. Like, that's not how it usually works. No. But, um, no. I think usually as a coach, you build that up with your player. And then later on, you know, you might need to, you, you, you don't call them out, but you're just like, you're just honest and you're honest with the media. And you say like, yeah, I mean, like both these guys got a long ways to go before they're in that conversation of the Kevin Durant's of the world. Like, yeah, I think that's an honest statement that a lot of people could agree with, but people would like somehow get offended that Jason Tatum is not as good as Kevin Durant, but that's just the kind of the world we live in. Right. But I do think that, um, Udoka at the very beginning of the year was just very, very open and honest with the media, and I think he's dialed it back a little bit since then. Hey, Brian, I was I was going to let you go, but just seeing as you mentioned the name, uh, at, at the risk of feeding the rumor mill, do you think there's any truth to or any, any possibility of all this Ben Simmons chatter with Boston now being thrown out there as a possible destination? 
Yeah, you can have everybody on the team not named Brown or Tate. Of course. <laughs> Why would you not do that? I, I can't believe – I can't. Believe, I thought I was going to get to talk about the guy who I said was the best player in the draft, Scotty Barnes. I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you, you about that. You a single Scotty Barnes question, man. I've never been disappointed in anything you guys have ever done except for right now. Well, the, hold on, hold on. Hey, hold on a second. Let me, let me defend myself like Nikola Jokic for a second. I'm looking at the time okay. going. I've kept Brian for 20 minutes. If you want to stay on for 23 or 25, we will get into Scotty Barnes. Yeah. We'll keep you for the whole damn hour. No, I don't need to do all that, but I was, <laughs> I was just waiting for one. I just want one. I just like, like what a joy. Let me, understand. Let, me, let me give you guys like the perspective of how I look at things. I root for my Celtics, right? I'm a Celtic guy. I want them to do well, and I want them to win. But here's another thing I root for like refreshing players in the NBA. And Scotty Barnes is first team all refreshing, you know. And I know one day someone will ruin him and I won't like Scotty Barnes anymore. But as of right now, man, it is so awesome to see a guy who cares about his teammates, who like cheers them on, who's like he misses a shot and someone gets a tip dunk. He goes back and high fives the guy that got the tip dunk off his own miss. Like I love that. He's he's first team all refreshing in the NBA, I know it's going to last like two or three years, and then all of a sudden he'll have a brand, and he'll have a brand mark manager, and they'll tell him not to say this, and all this other garbage. But as of right now, Scotty Barnes is first team all refreshing. I love that. I love everything about him, and this is the, everything about the good part of the NBA is Scotty Barnes. And there's my rant. I'm done. Hey, oh, hey, hey, yeah, everybody yeah. else, everybody else available except for those two guys. I'll say this: I listen to Scally a lot on the radio. And he's yeah. got a line that says, I like a guy for a while, then I don't like him. So we're hoping that Scotty doesn't fit into that category where where he was one 100%. of Scal's favorite players. And then he moves off him. But but uh, a lot of people in Toronto are on that too, Scal, because a lot of people were of the mindset that somebody else should have been drafted. And that, that's where you sit back and you say, you know what? Scouts and GMs, they know. They, they, don't, they don't bat 100%, but they're pretty good. They're pretty good, so you gotta you gotta trust the guy who's making the draft pick. Hey, I, yeah. I, I, I you know be, when, I gonna... when Toronto went. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. When Scott, Toronto go came ahead, to town, go. one more thing before I go. When Toronto came to town, I watched Precious Tatua play. I think OGN and Obi's going to win Most Improved. But I went through like DraftKings and I called my my guy who I bet with and all this stuff, which is illegal in Massachusetts for me, so I have to have a guy, you know. I was like, I want $100 on Princess Atua to win most improved. It wasn't on the board. It wasn't on the board. I couldn't get any odds for him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Scal, I'm going to leave you with this and, and mention it to Jonesy as well. I'm sure Jonesy and I will dig into this more uh, you know, it, it, throughout the show. Uh, Mike Singer, who's a reporter for the Denver Post, uh, got a text from one of uh, Nikola Jokic's brothers verifying that this account on Twitter is legit coming from at Jokic Brothers to Mr. Markeith Morris saying, you should leave this the way it is instead of publicly threatening our brother. You made the dirty play first. If you want to make a step further, we'll be waiting for you. Signed, Jokic Brothers. Oh, man. <laughs> Morris Mafia. Brothers Mafia. Jokic Brothers. Oh, my God. You know, this is like celebrity boxing, man. I, I was just not going down this summer. <laughs> Tag team style. <laughs> Scal, thanks for the time, man. Oh, Scally. You got it, guys. I'll see you. There is NBA champ, longtime NBA Brian Scalabrini. We'll uh, step away for a moment and come back with more Smith and Jones. 
Back on Smith & Jones as we get set for the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics tomorrow. You can hear that game right here on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. And we bring into the conversation right now after a lengthy chat with former NBA and champ Brian Scalabrini, Matt Devlin and Matty D, we promise to not blindside you with a hit, with a shot at all either. Matty, uh, that, was, that, was, that was a dirty one last night, but it was, uh, it's been fun to kind of break it all down after watching Morris and, and Jokic in that uh, Heat Nuggets battle last night. Yeah, for sure. Look, I think you guys, you know, spoke to it, you know, perfectly. And that is, well, sorry, that's uh, my dog, Jerry, there in the background. He wanted did to get in the him? mix. Uh, yeah, he wanted did to get in the you, mix. Did you foul him? He wanted to uh, foul? Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, I think, number one, you can't forget about uh, Marquise foul, right? I think that that obviously, to me, uh, is something that as both of you, you know, talk to, uh, you, there's a way to foul him without putting your shoulder into him. And Jokic didn't wait for Markeith to turn and walk away. Markeith immediately turned and walked away. Now, that doesn't lessen the blow that he, uh, you know, gave to Markeith. Uh, and then obviously we have all the theatrics afterwards, Jimmy Butler um, and then the Jokic brothers, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, ne- you know, neither one of those fouls needed to occur, right? Yeah, you're no, I, 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 I get you, Maddie, uh, totally. Um, Makes for uh, good theater, though. It does. It is a good for good fodder for us on 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 talk radio and podcasts. I, I hear you. Well, Jonesy, hold on. Um, so let me. I, I'm looking. I'm looking right now on Twitter. Some guy just are Jokic brothers. Uh, well, yeah. Did you see that with the? Uh, there's a yeah, somebody, right somebody, somebody has photoshopped the WrestleMania graphic where they got the Jokic brothers, and then on the other side, and they got the WWE logo WrestleMania, and then they've got the Morris twins, and they've got like WrestleMania the show. I gotta, I gotta repost this. All right, just as you guys are talking, this thing popped up, and it, it, it definitely makes for good fodder for talk radio. I'll tell you that. Go ahead, Jonesy. Uh, uh, Maddie, the Celtics, Raptors going back to Boston, and. The schedule's crazy, uh, you know, the, just building availability and dates and the way it works out. Raptors have four games with the divisional opponent, the Celtics. They'll be done in Boston before, you know, we hit the end of November as they yeah. head back there. Boston's kind of getting it together, but, you know, Jalen Brown's going to be out. Um, what 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 makes this team as young as they are, or maybe as inexperienced, I should say, together as they are, the Raptors, what's made them such a good road team early on, in your opinion? Well, I think probably you, you mentioned it right there. I mean, according to Sport Radar, they're the sixth youngest team in the league. You know, take out Goran uh, Dragic, and, and as we know, you know, they'd be even younger. But I just think you know, the willingness to go in and play basketball and not be concerned about the environment and not even know about what the environment's supposed to be like. Um, and then also, you know, the way that they guard, you, you know, there's obviously the external factors, but as we know, you know, Nick Nurse and the Raptors take pride uh, in taking key players out or at least trying to make it difficult for them. And so to me, uh, that's ultimately, you know, what it boils down to. Speaking with Matt Devlin, Matty, at, at some point, you know, Captain Obvious statement, the uh, the, the honeymoon's going to end on the road. They're not going to be staying undefeated forever, and eight of the next nine on the road. 
But Jonesy and I were chatting about this the other day after after the game against the Nets. This team, agree or disagree, is probably where they should be. We figured they'd be a little bit better at home than two and five, but we certainly didn't anticipate four and zero on the road. And when the dust settles, six and five, eleven games in, when you factor in the the home sked versus the road sked versus quality of opponents, this is kind of what the Raptors are, don't you think? Well, and then you factor in. Uh, Pascal Siakam, and and mm-hmm. and then also the other day, I thought they actually missed Ken Birch um, and his presence because he had played so well coming off of the bench. But yes, I, I think so. However, as as we all know, you get a little bit of greedy. You get a little greedy when you see a couple of things happen, right? And you you kind of think, okay, maybe you can grab one or two more. The East is extremely deep. Look at Orlando the other night against Utah on Sunday. Uh, you think about. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers not only winning uh, in Toronto, and unfortunately Colin Sexton's out, but then goes uh, you know to New York. They take care of the Knicks. Second game of a back-to-back for Brooklyn, Chicago. They're waiting. They take care of business. I think Brooklyn. I said this on the air the other day. I think Brooklyn's going to have some issues with that second unit uh, because of their age and and what have you. And I think it caught up. It took both. Harden and Durant to beat the Raptors on Sunday. And you know, during the regular season, I'm not saying during the postseason, but during the regular season, there's 82 games. And you can't ask that of both of them at their stages of their career, game in and game out. Uh, however, to get back to your initial question of, you know, six and five, is that where you thought they'd be? Yes. Maybe the wins would be a little bit different. Uh, the losses would be a little bit different. And then ultimately you do, as you see certain things happening on the court, you kind of think, okay, maybe they could be seven and four. And I think they could be seven and four. Maddie, my answer to this, and I've thought long and hard about it, and I, I'm throwing it out to people that have been around the Raptors for a long time and, and watch the, the build, the foundation build from the championship run, right, right back to the fact where, Hey, they were in, in Dwayne Casey's first year, they were 23 and 43 in that lockout shortened 66 yeah. game season. And it just got better ever since my answer to this is yes. I feel that they're starting from a better foundational spot now in building towards what they hope will be another title than they did back in 2012 when it was, you know, Lowry, DeRozan uh, and, 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 and company and, and guys kind of, coming in and out and they were looking for parts to fit around them. Heck, they weren't even sure that Lowry was going to be a part at one, at at one juncture, but I I just feel they're starting from a better place right now. I don't disagree. And there's a, there's reasons for that. Number one, you have four players that have a ring, two of which were an integral part of that championship run, as we know. Um, And then you have a player like Scotty Barnes, who, when you look at all, I mean, I loved what Kevin Durant said after the game. Yeah. Uh, but you look, and then, you, you know, Scal came on your air and talked about, you know, how great it is refreshing, right? The first team all refreshing. And, and I, he is. And he's, he's a player. I mean, he can play. Takes what the D gives him. Walks into that mid-post area and just – you know, takes things and, you know, knocks down shots and everything. It's just awesome to see. 
You know, the the other guy, Maddie, that that's been getting some love and justifiably so, is the second round pick. And, and yeah, it's a lot honestly, of I don't even remember if, if yeah, I don't know if it was you that said it or somebody that wrote the other day. You know, the fact that he went forty six, would we be talking about it? Maybe maybe it was Grange, whoever the hell it was. Would we be surprised or shocked or, or, or even talking even more about him right now if he was the 16th pick, the 26th pick, the 36th pick? The fact that this dude was a late second rounder and the impact he's having, this is now beyond, oh, it looked like it was just a fun little storyline in the preseason, the local kid that gets drafted, and oh, it's going to be nice to cheer for Delano Benton. This dude is a legit part of the rotation now, and he's turning heads almost every time he's on the floor with at least one play a game. He does something that makes you perk up. I love him. I, I think he's, uh, you know, I talked to a couple of executives and they said if he had stayed at Nebraska, he was a lottery pick. And you can see why. Uh, to me, they ended up with two lottery picks. And I, I tell you what, it, it, I, I say this, you know, Jonesy, e, you and I, we sit around, we talk about hoops, you know, we could talk about the schedule forever because I think this schedule they're about to go on, you know, you know, it's whatever. So, you know, there's so many different things you can sit around and talk about. And, and one of the things I always look back on, you can live in the lottery forever and it just gets to be too much. You make a couple of bad decisions here or there. Raptors have two tremendous picks. Don't forget about David Johnson, but two certainly that I think are going to be impactful players. And so you're right there. You're maybe accelerated. A little, maybe it's really early to say this, you know, 11 games in, but I think maybe given what we've seen with both of those players, you're a little bit back to Jonesy's point. I think you're a little bit ahead of where you thought you might be. And I, I really, I, I'm a huge fan of both of those players. Uh, Matt, when when I think about it, and you you just brought something up earlier about the sixth youngest team, uh, and and Goran Dragic, um, what give me some of the possibilities you see playing out with Goran? I mean, the thing that he's not in the rotation now, but I look at him and this guy is a professional. He will stay ready. He will do his work. He will be helpful in one way or another. What what do you see potentially playing out with him? Well, I think, you know, number one, you hope that you don't run into an injury situation, right? Um, so it's always great to have somebody like Dragic there. I think that Nick gave that a little bit of time to see how it would work and obviously decided to go in a different uh, direction. We're also seeing Malachi a little bit more in the first half of some games. Now that, to me, is, is matchup right? Uh, dependent. And when you have a Kemba Walker or Colin Sexton or Darius Garland, a lot of that ends up being, you know, matchup driven. Uh, Patty Mills, for instance. So then you, you look at Goran Dragic and, you know, there's a couple of ways this ultimately plays out. As we know right now, there is not the ability to trade everybody in the league, right? Because of new contracts and what have you. I would think that at some point, as you head closer to the trade deadline, that there's going to be a team out there that's going to need a veteran like a Goran Dragic. And so I think that that's one way that you see that uh, play out uh, is that, you know, hit from a contractual standpoint. And remember in years past, you have to have that contract to do a big deal or to do a deal. And, and that is a, a very valuable contract to have. And so 
to me, it's just time and patience and waiting, you know, till we get to, you know, that point where teams start to decide, okay, you know, now we're past that marker where we can deal everybody on the table. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at, at where certain teams are. Maddie, appreciate the time as always, man. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. Uh, you got it all the best. There Thanks, is Matt. Matt Devlin, television voice of the Toronto Raptors, the Celtics and Raptors on Wednesday night, 7.30 tip-off from Beantown. And uh, Matty D will have the action with Alvin Williams on Sportsnet, myself and Jonesy, with the call right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan, with the pregame show at 7 o'clock, and again, tip-off at 7.30. Man, that hour flew by. Just flew by yeah. with Brian Scalabrini and Matt Devlin. Uh, be sure, folks, to download our podcast wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever it may be. But also rate and review if you like the show. And why wouldn't you like the show? Rate and review. And, uh, you know, you can listen in anytime. Thanks for tuning in to Smith & Jones.